Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Hey, welcome. We are here, part four of a series called Forgotten Virtues. I have so enjoyed this series. Again, this series really wasn't on the, the docket. It, well, you know, I kind of think and pray and plan. And, and, and so, you know, we, I, and then I changed my plans as, as if, as, because I feel led a certain way. And I, I, I kind of stumbled upon this. And, and I think it was a divine luck thing that I stumbled into this because I think there's, th- th- these messages have been so key to the world that we live in and, and the relevance of our culture. And so uh, this, this one might be a, a little bit more generic, but the first three, so huge to our time and day and culture. Please go watch those online. You can get a free copy in the back of last week's message. Today, we continue in this series of forgotten virtues, things that we used to care about, things that we used to love, things that we used to value, things that we used to say, hey, look, it's always important that you have honor. It's always important that you have integrity. That purity matters. That's an old idea in today's uh, culture and, and, and with all the, the influences that come upon us. Like we just, purity, we don't know how to define that anymore, but the Bible defines it very clearly for us. And today we'll look at really what I think is just a very, very common one. And it's one that, that more than likely my, let me just say this, my mom is on the front row. Mama's here. She only comes like once a year and she's here and she's on the front row. And my mom used to say this to me. And so, um, no, don't clap yet. <laughs> my mom used to say this to me. And if your mom or grandma or somebody said this to you as a kid, then I just want you to give me like a woohoo. You'd be doing something as a little kid. Uh, you'd be anxious. You'd be waiting. Let's just be honest. This is what I'm going to talk about. You ever been on a long car ride as a little kid and you're stuck in that back seat? Remember back in the day when you used to sit on the hump in the middle? Does anybody? Okay. Or did any of y'all weird kids like lay in the back of the... Yeah, yeah, okay. That's old school. You can't even do that. That's illegal now. But... But, but here's what you would ask on a long car ride. You would say, are we, are we there yet? Like, when are we going to be there? How much longer is it going to take? And then mom had the audacity to say something to you like, you know what? Patience is a virtue. <laughs> Anybody ever have that? Like, patience is a virtue. And there's like a rhythm to it. You just can't. Patience is a virtue. Everybody, can you say that with me? Let's do it in rhythm, though. Patience is a virtue. And they would, but I don't want to be patient right now. I remember having this conversation with my kid because these are generational things that you pass on. I have a four-year-old getting up on my nerves. I don't remember even the, 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 the place or the setting we were in, but getting up on my nerves. And I'm like, dude, my four-year-old son, this is years ago, obviously. I look at my four-year-old son and be like, dude, you need to, you need to be patient. To which a four-year-old looks me dead in the eye and says, Dad, what's patience? (laughs) And in that moment, it occurs to you that patience is an idea that you understand, but you've probably never defined before. And then all of a sudden, when a four-year-old asks you what patience is, you're like, well, you know, it's the thing that you you do. Shut up, you know, whatever. (laughs) Go get on your iPad, you know, whatever. They didn't have iPads back then, but... And so I had in this moment have to define what patience is for a four-year-old, and it came to me like... In the spur of the moment, because what do you say? Like when somebody asks you, what is patience? This is what came to me. I don't even know if it's right or not. I think it is. But I said, well, okay, um, um, patience is staying calm while you wait. Is that, does that work? Patience for a four-year-old. It's a, four, it's a working four-year-old definition. Patience is staying calm 
while you wait. And as I get older in life, I realize I need that same thing. I don't need the four-year-old version. And so if you, if you want to dial in with me, we're going to talk about this forgotten virtue of patience. But this is kind of my working definition of patience. It's not... For the four-year-old that's staying calm while you wait, I want to say the adult version for the, for, the, for the Christ follower is staying connected to God while you wait. That, that literally in the moments of life that want to stress us out and wear us out and push us to our limits, that in those moments, if I can just be so more aware of God's presence, be a little more connected to God, be a little bit more, again, just know God consciousness, just aware that he's there, that I can, I can be better in life if I do that. And here's, here's why. How many of you, let's just, let's just poll the audience real quick here. How many of you would say, I'm a really patient person? I'm a patient. You are. Give these people a hand clap real quick. There, there's three of them. There's three of them. How many of you would say, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm impatient. I, I, I stink at patience. Okay, good. This sermon's for you. Those three people, you're dismissed. God bless you. You can beat us to the buffet line. And so, so, so here's what I want to talk about today. That, that, that literally there are things in life that push us to the edge. Now, sometimes there's practical things. Now, I don't know about you, but like, um, like when the internet's slow. Doesn't like the devil come up out of you? When the, when the internet's slow, like, oh my God, I could, I could wring somebody's neck, like I could lose it. How many of you ever feel that way when you get really impatient? You feel like the verge to hurt things or people is present. Yeah, I, why is that? How, okay, um, I'm really bad because I have a, a two-mile commute that I don't have to get on a highway. Some of you people are conditioned to be very, very patient in traffic. How many of you are impatient in traffic? You hate traffic. Why do you think road rage is such an issue? You know what I'm saying? People get the crazies come out of them. Um, okay, guys, uh, you ever been shopping with your wife? Oh, dear Jesus. I literally have to tell my wife, I'm like, because uh, she, she knows, I have like a limit. I go in and I probably got about what? What do you think I got? Like 30 minutes? Maybe 20, 20, 20, I got like 30 minutes. So I just tell her like, and I know that that rage that bubbles up inside of you, I literally tell her, I'm like, okay, babe, I'm feeling it right now. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm fe- oh, we need to hurry up. We need to speed this up. Um, uh, doctor's office, when you go in for like the two o'clock appointment and you're there till three before he even sees you and that's just so you can get to the other room to wait long, is that? Restaurant. How many of you get hangry? When you haven't eaten, you get hangry, and then all of a sudden, like, the, the food seems to take forever. Impatience. And, and something happens as us. We morph into the worst version of ourselves. And now, th- those are just practical things, but here's other things I've seen people, like, people get impatient at other things. Like, I know people that are impatient in relationships. Like, like, like the people that you love the most, your spouse, you know, mom, dad, brother, sister, family members, and you get so impatient with them. Or, or you know what? How many of you get impatient? Because when you're single, you're impatient about relationships in the sense that, like, I'm tired of being single. And so, like, I'm tired of being single, and so that, le- I'll, just, I'll stop there. So, sometimes it's different, though. Sometimes you're impatient about your spouse because you so badly want your spouse to change. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm tired of them leaving the underwear on the floor of the bathroom my entire life. And that's just, you get impatient about them being able to change. But I changed. It took 15 years. I've, cha- I've changed. 
And I'm not saying it's done and over. I'm just saying I'm a little better than I used to be is all I'm saying. And so, so, so anyway, you get impatient. Sometimes you get impatient. Like if you've ever had um, sickness and ongoing sickness and stuff, that you know like, God, why won't you just heal me? And why can't I just get over this? And why won't I just be better? I know you've got the power to heal, but why? Some of you, it's your, in your career. Like for, for some of you, it's like wanting that job and needing that job. And you're like, God, why aren't you going to come through? And have you ever noticed God does not care about your personal personal timeline. You ever felt like that before? Like God, God is not at all concerned about how much, how many days or how many months or how many weeks or all that. God doesn't feel the pressure that we feel like his timing is just different than our timing. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, that's really, really what impatience is. Impatience is saying to God, I know timing better than you know timing. Now, we don't say that consciously. We would, never, we would never come right out and say that in our mind. But when we get so impatient, what we end up saying about big events, life things. Like, you ever prayed for somebody? You got a kid and you've been praying for them. God, why won't you change their life? Or why won't they turn it around? Or why? And, and, like, and, and what you want is you want immediate results. Because you live in a results-oriented world. You live in a world of microwaves and fast food. And you want things now. You want hyper-speed, internet speed. You want that. You want everything on demand right now. You don't even wait for commercials. You fast forward through those. But when it comes to life's situations and life's issues and you start getting impatient with God and you start getting impatient with life and start jumping the gun and getting out of pocket, what you're in essence saying is this, is I know timing, God, better than you know timing. And if you would get up on my timetable, the world would be a better place. I'll prove it to you. There's this guy in the Bible named Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham has this incredible story where he showcases, puts on full display what life is like with and without patience. Now, Abraham is a guy, if you don't know, he lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which is kind of like over in modern day Iran. And God speaks to him. And this is what he says to him. This is in Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says that God speaks to Abram and says, Go from your country, leave them, your kindred, your father's house, and I want you to leave them, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. Now, this was really weird, because he doesn't tell him where to go, he just says go. It's almost like saying, like, and this is annoying too, this is just, this is just to test his patience right out of the gate. Hey, I want you to leave everything you've ever known, and I want you to go to this new place. And Abraham's like, well, what's the new place? Don't worry about it, I'll just tell you when you get there. You ever say, oh, no, no, you'll just tell, I'll tell you when you get there. And, and it's like, is this hot and cold? Like, I'm hot, I'm warmer, warmer, warmer. And Abraham just obeys. Abraham totally just trusts and decides, okay, you know what? I'll go. And so he does. And, but this is the promise that God gives him. He says, when you leave and get to this new place, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. I'll even bless people that bless you. And him who dishonors you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this whole idea of I'm going to give you a great name and a great nation, this is Bible code for, I'm going to turn you into a large family and that family into a large tribe and that large tribe into a large nation. And that nation, was, it's going to change the world. Now, how many of you know if God spoke to you like that, you'd be like, really? That's cool. What if God just spoke to you one day and be like, hey, I'm going to make you great. You're like, I'm in. I'm going to make you like prosperous. You're like, I'm down. Where do I sign up for this? 
You, you, you would be so on board. And that's what he says. He goes, I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make you into a great nation. It's going to be awesome. And do you know Abraham at this point in time is 76 years old? So how many of you know at 76, you're taking a cross-country trip? You know, there's no cars. There's no planes. You got a donkey, and that's what you got. And you're making this cross-country trip, and, and this is the idea. So he shows up, and I need you to get this picture, that he's 76 years old, and he decides to travel into what we kind of now know as the promised land. It's the land of Israel, and this is where he gets. And I'm telling you what, it takes 10 years go by. Now, you get impatient after like 10 minutes. Abraham waits 10 years. So he goes to this new country. He goes to this new land. He goes, I'm here. I'm here for 10 years. I'm just obeying you. And this is the most frustrating. When you feel like, God, I'm obeying you. And I'm still not getting the results I want. I'm obeying. I did everything right. You ever cry out to God like that? You get a little mad at God. You're like, I did everything right. I did everything you asked me to. And how could this happen to me, because he gets there and he waits and he sits around for 10 years. Now, this is what happens, though. Impatience sets in. Now, his wife is about 10 years younger than him. So he married, he robbed the cradle. He's 76. She's actually, you know, nine years technically younger than, than him. She has this brilliant idea, and this is what the idea is. Look at verse, chapter 16, verse number 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. Remember that whole great nation, great name? There's two of us. There's no nation. There's me and there's Sarah. No nation, no kids, nothing. We got no chance. And so since Abraham's wife had bore him no children, well, she had this brilliant idea. He, she goes, hey, I've got this female Egyptian service. Her name is Hagar. I'm sure you've seen her around. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, so I want you to go into my servant. That's Bible code for something. Go into my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. So this is the idea. God, since you don't know timing like I know timing, and clearly you're late, I'll come up with a better plan. Because I know timing better than you know timing. And since you've been really, really late, maybe you just forgot about us, I know what I'll do. We've got this beautiful Egyptian, you know, handmaid here, a servant girl, and, and it was common for them to have wives and concubines. It was very tribal. You remember this is thousands of years ago. And so he was like, look, just go have a kid with her. That's the idea. Whoa, brilliant. How many, you know, I don't want to get into it. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah, which is what every husband should do most of the time, right? Just whatever she says, just do it. Whatever she adds, yes, whatever wants to make you happy. I love you, baby. What my baby wants, my baby gets. So, Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So Abraham, so after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, remember he'd been there 10 years, Sarah, Abraham's wife, um, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Because that's the idea. God, when timing isn't working on my timing, when you're not doing it the way I want you to do it, when it's not coming together, when and how I'd like it to come together, I'm going to get impatient. I'm going to jump ship on your plan and come up with my own plan because I just don't have time to wait for you any longer. God, now here's, here's the crazy part. What, what's fascinating historically is that when she has this kid, this kid's named Ishmael. 
And when you follow the bloodline that comes from Ishmael, Ishmael's family and descendants and following after him are the people that are literally at war most of Israel's history and maybe even now you could say that, that most of what, what, what came on through this bad decision, this impatient decision to say, hey, look, I can't do it. Just maybe you should hook up with the servant girl. That whole idea ended up with these incredible major ramifications simply because they didn't have the patience. Now, check this out. 14 years after this moment, look at what happens. The Bible says, this is Genesis 21 now, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time, everybody say the time. Notice that time here is a key. Notice that it mentions the amount of time that has passed. The writer's trying to get you to lock into an idea. He was there 10 years, and now this many years, and this is the time, that this is the way God promised, this is the time God had, had promised, and Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, he named him Isaac, which Isaac, of course, is really what you follow, the lineage of Israel. You have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel, as you know them today. And this was God's plan. But see, what happens is, is when you and I get impatient, we jump God's plan. We don't trust God's plan anymore. We kind of like kick it to the curb. We're like, I got this. I'll figure it out. God's forgotten. God wasn't doing his job. God didn't understand my timing. And so that's what we end up doing. Listen, let's, let's just break this down. Whenever we have impatience, impatience leads me to do some really, really dumb things. Number one is, this, is, is it just leads me to make poor decisions. How many of you, when you think back into your life, you think when I was impatient, that's when I made my best decisions? No, when we look back at impatience, we sit there and think, wow, what a huge mistake. Wow, what was I thinking? Wow, how could I have done that? Some of you think about that in your, in your, in your dating life. Like, again, for all of you single people out here, there's a story that we could, we could tell. There's some married people that could tell stories up in here. Because the story would go something like this. I was single, but I so desperately wanted to be in a relationship. And that's what you thought would be the so biggest, most important thing. That's what I really, really want in life. And so what happens is, is because you don't have God's timing, you get impatient. And so you jump his plan. And instead of staying and waiting for Mr. Right, you just settle for Mr. Right now. And that ends up becoming a disaster. And that ends up becoming one of the big, poor decisions that you put in your life. And you get on the other side of the air like, what was I thinking? You weren't. You were just impatient. You needed it right now, your way, right away, and right now. And that's what I, that's what I thought that I needed. And it leads you to make really, really poor decisions. Number two is this, is you lose your peace. When you get impatient, think about it. What leaves you? Your peace. You're so stressed out thinking about what might be and what could be and if this doesn't come together and you lay awake at night wrestling with your own mind and wrestling with your own thoughts thinking, but what about this and what about this and God, what about this? And you've got all these and, and, and because of impatience, peace just flies out the window. Number three is this is you just kind of forget the process. What we forget when we lose our patience is simply this. Sometimes, and in this instance, it's God speaks a thing. Or God's promised a thing. And then there's this gap of time before God delivers on that promise. I want you to think about this. It was 24 years in between the promise and the kid actually coming. Think about that. What that proves to us is that we need to like go ahead and take a deep breath and say, okay, I might be in this for the long haul. 
And that's okay. You need to know that in this time between the promise and the promise being fulfilled, there's a good chance that God wants to change something in you, work out something in you, so that you'll actually be ready to receive the promise. I'll prove it to you. There's two two men in the Bible that prove this. There's this kid named Joseph later in the book of Genesis who, when he's 17 years old, he's promised that he's going to be a great king and a great overseer and his family's going to come and bow before him. And it's just this weird, crazy dream. And, and, and Joseph is 17 years old. Have you ever seen a 17-year-old that was ready for that? Can you imagine your 17-year-old having that type of power and responsibility? No, of course not. And so Joseph literally has to wait years. It took 13 years between the time Joseph was promised greatness and by the time it was delivered. And do you know what was in the middle of those 13 years? Pain. A process. Character refinement was all in the midst of that process. So when you get impatient, I'm telling you what, David, King David was the same way. Think about this, little shepherd boy and the prophet shows up and anoints him as the new king. Think about it. But how many years before he actually became the king? 30 years. See, sometimes God gives you a promise way before he wants to deliver on it. Maybe because he wants to work something out in you. Maybe because he wants to to test your patience level. Will you actually trust him through the process? Next one is this. Is is that it steals my opportunity to be salt and light. Because here's here's what I know. Whenever I lose my patience, I'm no longer nice. I'm no longer thinking about other people. I'm thinking about me. I was at the DMV the other day. I ran into like a couple of people from our church. Yeah, there's one right there. And I'm telling you what, the DMV is like purgatory, which isn't in the Bible. But, but it, 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 it's like that idea, though, that I'm literally, because here's what, here's what you need to know. My wife is like, babe, you better get there early. And so I get there early, and, and I'm standing outside, and it's like there's a building, and then there's a line around the building, and there's a line out to the parking lot, and then the line goes back this way. At the And I'm there. I'm, at, I'm at there in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. And thank God for you know, iPhones, right? You know, you sit there and you doodle jump or whatever you do. And, 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 I was, and, and then my wife, I had forgotten this form that I, I, I thought that I needed. And I'm like, babe, you better get down here. I forgot that form. And I ain't getting out this line. I'll burn this place to the ground. <laughs> uh, and so, and, 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 and I, I finally find out I don't need the form. But because but I, I get inside and here's what's so, what's so amazing. She goes, well, I can't get there for a few minutes. She goes, are you almost to the front? I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's like three people ahead of me. There weren't three people ahead of me. There were three people ahead of me before I had to go to this guy and then get in another line that wrapped around. Oh, Lord Jesus. For those of you that think that government is the answer, I want you to just go visit the DMV and think if I want the government to run my life. I'm just kidding. Um, But my point is, is I'm in there. And while I'm in there, I run into church. Can you imagine like if I was who I wanted to be at the DMV? And I got church people watching me all of a sudden wilding out at the clerk at the desk and all that. And and, and you know what? Sure enough, man, I ended up talking to some people, like met some random strangers, was really had some friendly conversation. I saw this one woman that was so sweet. There was this elderly woman in front of her and she seemed to like drop everything, like every five steps. And and, and there she is just helping. And she went to this girl and was like, thank you so much. You've been such a help to me today. And and like you see, and, and because in the DMV, you have every moment for the demons to arise within you and for you to want. And I met the clerk and the clerk was so nice and I had a little quick conversation with her. But I'm telling you what, when you're impatient, 
There's no thought of other people. There's no thought of what they could be going through. There's no thought of like, how can I make a difference in their life? Because when we're impatient, we get incredibly self-focused and self-centered because all we can think about is our timeline and how it stinks and how God's not delivered when I want him to deliver. And so we, we just lost it. Lastly, I'll say this is that impatience lead me and it hinders my relationship. Think about this. Let me, let me just, this is playing on the same idea. How many of you are the best version of yourself when you're impatient? How many of you are kind? How many of you are compassionate? Because here again, inside of your relationships, if you look at some of the relationships that you're close to when it comes to your kids and your family members and your spouse, I'm telling you so much of the issue that's created inside the relationship could be resolved simply by you saying, can I be more patient? And so I've never, when, when you think about your best friends, do you think about your best friends and be like, you know what? They're the most impatient person I know, but bless God, I love them. I'm betting that doesn't come to your mind. The impatient people of this world, the people that get up on your nerves and frustrate you because they get angry so quickly and so easily. They have no patience for anything or for anyone. And just so you know, I need lots of patience. If you're my friend, you know this, that you have to be a patient person just to be friends with me because of my weirdness. And so that's just the way we all are to a degree, though, that we need to have patience in our relationships if we ever expect to have healthy relationships. And again, when you think about this, I want you to think about what Abraham did. Abraham's given a promise. And the promise is exciting. We want God to bless us. That's what I know about you, every one of you. You pray that God would bless you, that God would favor you, that good things would come your way. And you ask God for these things. But I'm telling you what, there's a process in between God delivering on those promises. There's some patience that needs to be cultivated. And if you don't learn how to cultivate that patience, I'm telling you what, many of us will never, ever receive the promise because we're going to jump ship. Here, here, as a matter of fact, I'll prove it to you. One of the things that's crazy about impatience is this. This is one of the saddest parts, the craziest parts, is when we respond impatiently, we never know what God might have done. We, we don't know. Why? We jump ship on that plan. So the plan that God has, I mean, he might be able to work it out, but it's going to be different than the way it originally was supposed to be. Like Ishmael threw a wrench in the system. That probably wasn't the way God would. And so God had to work around Abraham's impatience and his impatient mistake. And so you never know. You have no idea how great it could have been had you just been patient with your heavenly father. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Let's talk about patience now. The Bible says, the writer of Hebrews is giving this incredible insight. He says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through, who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So he's giving you the key ingredients. He goes, if you ever want what's been promised, you need two things. Everybody say faith. Everybody say patience. And they go together. And here's the way I like to think of it. Faith is like a muscle. Like you need a, a, a muscle of faith, something that gets up on the inside of you with this incredible belief that you believe God is and he is a rewarder of those who follow him, that God's going to do great things, that God is able and that he That's faith, right? But patience is almost like your conditioning. Have you ever, have you ever like started to jog and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, a quarter mile in and you're like... <gasps> Oh my God, I can feel my chest caving in. You know, it's like it's a quarter mile. You, you're already dead. You're already gassed. You start doing push-ups and you did two and then your muscles give out. I'm telling you that faith is a muscle and I want the muscle to be strong. But patience is the conditioning that comes underneath it. Because here's the deal. Abraham had to be faithful 
For 24 years, Joseph had to keep his faith for 17 years. David had to keep his faith for 30 years. Some of us are giving up on God by the end of the month. And we're all like, because you ever done this before? You ever felt incredible faith before? You're like, you know what? I just know God's going to come through. We're going to get that job. I'm going to get that raise. That kid's going to do this. We're going to get that house. We're going to get the thing. And you, so faith! You know, you're just, it's like they're in the gym and you're pumped and you throw the weight on the ground. Like, what? Yeah. I have faith. And, but then the problem is, it's like a week goes by. And you're like, faith. You know, two weeks go by. You're like, God has abandoned me. We're talking about years. Some people do this with their kids. Some people are like praying for that lost kid, that crazy kid, that knucklehead kid who's all messed up and doing everything dumb and everything wrong. And you're like, but I want my kid to get saved. And I tell every parent this, hey, you need to be prepared. Like we're going to believe. The faith to believe is there, but you need to be prepared. We are in this for the long haul. It might be a 30-year prayer project and that's okay. We're willing to wait. It's worth it. Can I get an amen? Like your kid is, your kid is worth it. So we're not going to pray for a week and then get mad at God. We're, gonna, we're, we're in this for the long haul. We, this thing could be decades and that's okay. We're going to fight through this because we receive the promises through faith and through patience. Because ultimately, if you're taking notes, a patient person gives God time to work. See, again, when you get impatient, you jump ship on God's plan. You jump ship on the process. You lose your ability to be salt and light. You get, I want this so bad. And listen to me, God wants to bless you. I don't know how it's going to happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen. Verse, uh, Psalms chapter 27, verse 14. I love this verse. This is just a funny verse to me. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Don't you just love that? The writer's like, hey, you just got to wait. You got to wait for God. You know, I'm tired of waiting. He goes, no, no, it's okay. I want you to be strong and take heart. And then I want you to do you what? Know, after that, I want you to do wait some more. I just need you to know that waiting and patience is a part of life. And for all of us who raised our hand and said, we're not very good at patience, I just need you to know that maybe, just maybe, that the very thing that God wants to work out in that big, long process it's not just your character, but it could be very well that it's your patience that needs to be worked out. Because again, your faith and your patience go together. And so here's the deal. If you out there and y'all, all of us that confessed earlier that we're not the best at being patient, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to become a more patient person. Number one is this. When you find yourself like in that moment where the demons want to arise and you want to kill somebody or you just get frustrated with God or whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. I literally want you to take a deep breath. As a matter of fact, let's all do it together. That's how you, that's how you let the demons not control you, right? They just, okay, count to 10 backwards. Ten. No, you don't have to do that. But take a deep breath and remind yourself, I need to trust my heavenly Father. Remember, it's not just God out in the universe. No, no, He is your heavenly Father. And Father knows best. And so in those moments where I feel the need to get mad, to get angry, to get upset, to jump ship, to jump the plan, to want to do it on my own, I just need to first and foremost take a deep breath and remember he's my heavenly father and I can trust him. Number two is this, is I need to recall the past faithfulness of God. One of the best things that you can ever do is keep a track record of every time that God's ever come through for you, God's ever helped you, God's ever answered a prayer. It is one of the best and most therapeutic things you can do because here's what I know. In the moment of your crisis, that stuff will not come to your mind. That's why you got to have it written down. 
That way you can go back to it and look it up because you have to force faith back into your heart sometimes when crisis hits. And you need to go back and say, you know what? I know I'm feeling impatient and I know I feel like I'm under the gun and the time deadline is this and this and this. But I remember what God has always done for me. And I know, I know. Number three is this, is you need to begin to renew your mind. One of the best things that you can do right now, if you say, man, I stink at patience, is you need to go look up every Bible verse on patience. You need to read it. You need to think about it. You need to meditate on it. You need to pray over it. You need to memorize it. And you need to keep doing that over and over and over until you're in your mind, until those things are so just not in your head, but have sunk down deep in your heart. And in those moments, you take that deep breath. You remember God's faithfulness. You start quoting those scriptures. I'm telling you, you're going to be able to hang in the moment, not just have faith for a moment, but have faith and patience. Number four is this. You need to pray for patience. Now, that's risky. You should be careful. I mean, I'm saying you have to do this one. But you may want to. I say go for it. I say why not? I trust my, uh, my heavenly Father. I trust God. And I need to pray, God, help me to become a more patient person. Now, here's the way it could come. God could just give you supernatural patience. Which I don't know about. Or God could put you into more incredible situations that would demand that you become a patient person. So that's, that's on you to, to pray for patience. Somebody just like wrote that. Like I was taking notes until you did. And then lastly, you need to just rinse and repeat. You, listen to me. Patience is not a thing that you're going to one day achieve in life. You're not going to reach the pinnacle of the mountain of patience and say, I have arrived I did it. Hey, everybody, guess what? I did it last week. I was praying. I got it. I got patience now. Patience is not a thing that you get and put in your pocket and then you got it. Patience is, is that muscle. It's that conditioning. And it must constantly be worked on. This is not something that you're going to achieve one day. This is something that you're going to work at for the rest of your life. And here's the main thing that's going to help you like begin this journey of patience is when you get this big truth rooted down deep in your mind, and it's this truth right here, is that God knows timing better than I know timing. God knows timing better than I know timing. Now, why did he wait 10 years and then 14 years and 20, 24 years, God? Was that really necessary? I don't know why. Could it be that God wanted to create a miracle situation? Because you need to think about this. If, if these guys were 76 and 67 years old when the promise was given. Now, I don't know about you, but a 67-year-old woman giving birth, that's pretty crazy. How many of you are 67 and you're like, I'd love to have another kid and 3 a.m. feedings. I'd love it. And they lived longer back then. But I need you to think about this. Like, it would have been pretty incredible for a 67-year-old woman to have a kid. I mean, I'd be like, what? What about for a 90-year-old woman to have a kid? God's like, I'm going to do something so radical, so awesome. They're going to know this is like a divine thing. This is gonna know, they're going to know that my hand was all over this because 91-year-old people don't have babies. I don't know what the answer is, but here's what I know, is that God's timing is better than your timing because God knows all things. And when you begin to trust this, I'm telling you what, we begin this journey of patience. And this is, this is where we go down this road where we realize, you know what? I can trust my heavenly father. I can take that deep breath. I can rest in his faithfulness and know. Listen to this last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says this, but do not forget this one thing, because we'll forget. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. 
To which we're all like, yeah, but I don't even live that long. So what, what does that mean? I never get to see it. It's, it's an idea that God sees time different than you see time. That God lives outside of time. He's not pressured by time. You feel pressured by time. God has never felt pressured by time. And so you need to remember that God sees it all and feels it all differently than you do. But he knows all things. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some people understand slowness. Hint, that's you, by the way. But he is patient with you. I want you to think about that. God is not patient waiting for things. The only thing that God has ever needed to be patient for was you. Because he's waiting for you to come around. He's, God's not waiting on a thing. If God needed a thing, he'd just create a thing. You are impatient about things and people and places and times and money and all kinds of different things. God's never been patient about anything. The only thing God's ever been patient on is you. And that's where we need to be thankful. Because think about this. Your heavenly father is incredibly patient with you. I'll prove it to you. You're still here. Because if God wasn't patient with us, humanity would just be gone. If God wasn't patient with you, it would have wiped us all off the face of the earth and be like, they're not worth it, I can't handle this no more. They just take forever. You ever thought about this? That in all of God's creation, human beings are the slowest creatures to go from birth to self-sufficiency. Like every other little animal in the animal kingdom... I mean, for some of them, it's like, yeah, it's a day, you're on your own. A couple weeks, you're on your own. A few months at most, you're on your own. Man, some of y'all got 25-year-olds living in your basement. <laughs> like, they can't handle on their own. We can't. Listen to me. I just want you to know that, that you can be patient and trust your heavenly Father. And one of the greatest signs of you being able to be patient with God is simply the idea that, you know what? God has been patient with me. And if he's been patient with me, then maybe I can be patient with my situation. I can trust my heavenly Father. Let's pray this morning. God, we pray and ask. Boldly and risky, God, we ask for patience. God, that you would, you would give it to us, that you would help us, that you would strengthen it us. God, you called it a fruit of the Spirit. So God, as we walk with you and we walk with your Holy Spirit, God, we pray that we would be strengthened in the area of patience. That every moment that we are put up against that obnoxious coworker or stuck at the DMV, or maybe we're just waiting on something important like a person or a healing or a conflict to be resolved, God, we pray that in that moment we would take a big, huge, deep breath and trust. God, you are faithful. You are my heavenly Father who loves me and you know what's best. And your timing is better than my timing. So God, in everything, Lord God, help us to trust you and to be patient with your process, to be patient with your plan, and to know that you hold all things in your hand. Lord, this is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.